0: The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 17th, 2023. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She knows everything
1: you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Wow, what a day it is here in Sonoma County. Kind of cloudy and, I don't know, energy feels kind of low. Joining me on the phone this morning will be Dr. Harriet Fraud. Dr. Fraud is a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist in practice in New York City. And she is a well-published author and writes book about the pressures on families and the economics of the United States. She is also a regular guest of Dr. Richard Wolff and his show Economic Uh, Update which uh, airs on KBBF 89.1 FM every Tuesday from 11 to uh, 12 p.m. For this show, we'll be doing an analysis of history and motivation for income tax and also talk about in the United States because you know it looks like uh, the income tax are due tomorrow, April 18th. But uh, rumor has it, and I, I suggest you check. Uh, your computers and check with the uh, with the tax, uh, I guess, uh, with the federal tax and see I heard that there might be an extension in California where people, if they're a little bit late, that they can get them in a little bit later because of all the fires that happened and all the different things that took place. Well, you know, this show, you know, we're going to be talking about you know, economics and the effect it has on the culture and also about uh, some rules around taxation. We're also going to talk about several of the issues that are going on in this country. And, you know, I I can feel it, you know, I can feel it when I was, uh, we were driving to the studio today. I just felt there was a heaviness, there was a heaviness in the air. And I really believe that heaviness might be coming from me because last night when I went to sleep, I want you to know I just laid there and cried. I, I cried because of the sorrow that I felt for this horrible thing that happened in Alabama. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's it's just it's to me it is just heart wrenching to think that there was a Sweet 16 party and somebody came in and shot and killed four people and 28 others were injured and these were all teenagers. And I guess the sorrow came from me is because of the generations that I've had around Sweet 16 parties. You know, I remember when my sister Evelyn was Sweet 16 and she was able to get, she was able to get her driver's license Somehow how excited she was. I remember the first time we took off in the car, it was amazing. I remember my daughter, Susan, when she was 16, sweet 16, we had a great party. I remember buying salmon, something very special. My mother was up at that time. God bless her. And she said, we got to have salmon. Susan is, is sweet 16 and all her friends celebrating her and all the wonderful presents. And then my granddaughter, Caitlin Beverly, when she was 16, I can see it like it was yesterday. We were at a uh, – <coughs> excuse me. We celebrated at a uh, – I believe it was a Taiwan restaurant, and food was just excellent. We were all excited, and my daughter and son-in-law uh, bought her a, a, a new car. And I remember her getting in the car, and we were all so excited. And, 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 and my, I remember Ken and I holding hands and saying, look it, because Ken is – you know, Ken knew uh, – Katie, since she was a little girl, I said, look, it's Katie taking off in her own car. And I remember my heart saying, oh, Lord, I just hope she's safe. I hope she's safe. I hope nothing happens now that she's on her way to adulthood. And now we go to Saturday. You know, Saturday, four people were killed and 28 injured during a shooting at a birthday party Saturday night in Dadeville, Alabama. And they don't know who the shooter was. I mean, I I have to ask this question. What is going on in our country? We have had, since, since the beginning of the year, we have had 163 mass shootings. You know... Sure, you want to go catch the guy, you know, and everybody says, go pray, you know, you're putting flowers out, you know, you want to catch whoever did it, you want to punish him to make sure, you know, he gets his due, of course, he has to have his day in court. But who, why isn't anybody looking at the underlying facts that are going on in our country? And I believe that's going to be part of the discussion that Harriet Fraud and I have. What is going on that people, particularly young people, or become victims of this horror. And what is it in this country that it's so important that we have guns? I mean, I cannot believe all the, remember we're all, you know, talking about abortion, abortion this, abortion that, you know, they're going to ban abortions, we have to go to the Supreme Court, you know. I mean, we're banning abortions and fighting for the fetus so it can be born, and yet look at we're allowing it to be born into. Wars, killings in our own streets. I mean, when I was growing up, I never, there was never anything like mass shootings. I mean, I can't remember. I remember I went to uh, Hollenbeck Junior High School, and I remember there was a killing. There was a young, uh, we used to have to go, we used to go on First Street. That's where Hollenbeck Junior High School was. You had to go under the street to get across the street. And I remember there was a young African-American boy that was killed and it was shocking it was shocking the police came they they uh, you know shut down the school they had us all line up by our lockers you know they were looking for guns and knives i think they found two knives and one uh, uh, one homemade gun and oh my goodness it was just such a big deal and they never found the sh- they never found the killer that's the sad part they just never found the killer but i That was the only thing that I can remember when it came to mass shootings. I know there were gang issues, but maybe one person every once in a while something would happen to. But now 163 mass shooters, and we have to ask ourselves a very important question because I look at it like this. You know, we say, oh, the government's going to take care of it. The police department is going to take care of it. The, the FBI is going to take care of it. <clears throat> we as citizens have to take care of it and stand up for gun control. Not just gun control, but get those AK-15s off the – off, get them out of people's hands. We don't need them. We're creating a war zone in our country And then you have to ask yourself, what is it in people that there are willing? That person who shot and killed these four people and injured those 28 young people who had a sweet 16 party, what was in his head? Who was he? was and nobody paying attention or her we don't even know who it is you know weren't they paying attention to that person was there some sort of mental illness were they having problems in school you know was the family uh falling apart who knows what was happening but there's no awareness of what is happening right in our own culture right in our own backyard i mean the person who ever did it is a neighbor to somebody who's a he's a child or a, a, a brother or a sister to somebody i mean didn't wasn't there any sign that something like this might happen? That they could call on help, and maybe, maybe they, maybe they knew it, but they didn't have proper insurance to cover mental health. You know, all these factors that are involved in that shooting, we need to look at. And as women, and I say this over and over and over especially women out there who believe in the creator, who believe in God, who believe in Jesus. We have been endowed in our bodies to bring forward life, whether you're a mother or not. We need to stand up for the children. When I think of the Sweet 16, now I think of I have two great-grandchildren, and they're going to be Sweet 16 one day. Is the world going to be safe for them, or are we going to continue on the same level that we are right now. It is It is so sad. Like I said, last night I just laid in bed and thank goodness I have my little Rosie, my little dog. I have a little <laughs> Chorky. She's so cute, you know, and she just cuddles up to me. And I just looked at her, a little dog, you know, and I'm holding on to her. I'm, look, I'm watching Ken sleep and I'm just crying. I'm crying for the world. I'm crying for the world's children. This has got to stop. And each one of us has to take responsibility. Each one has to speak out. I mean, each one has to say, enough is enough. What are we as a human race accomplishing by killing one another? What are we accomplishing by going to wars? We have to ask ourselves that question. And we have to stand up and be willing to do something you know uh, two weeks ago i reported about the killing in tennessee where they had three young children 9 years old in the covenant in the covenant private school you know covenant means a deal with, an agreement with god that you're going to do good in the world and look what happened with those two legislators they were trying to kick them off because they were because they want gun control because they were speaking out because they were standing with their constituents and saying we need something done no more of this. It has to stop. And I'm so happy to report that both of these people, both Justin, it was Justin Jones and uh, Justin uh, Pearson. And I, want, I love it because Justin for justice. I mean, that it's amazing. And the most beautiful thing is, and I'm going to play the song, is that Justin Pearson happened to be at the airport. And Joan. Oh, it was Justin Jones. Excuse me. Justin Jones was at the airport. And Joan Vaez spotted him.
2: In, in New
1: Jersey, Newark, Newark. In Newark, he was on the, at the Newark uh, Airport, and G, and Joan Baez saw him and ran up to him, and they end up singing "We Shall Overcome." I'm going to play that together. I'm going to play that song today. And then on the Stephen Colbert show, he had Joan Baez on and her talking about it, and she had the whole audience singing. <laughs> the whole audience was singing that. It was just, it was just amazing. It was just, to me, it was, uh, we shall overcome. But we're not going to overcome if we don't come together as a country and say enough is enough. And I look at some of the politicians, it just makes me sick. You know, they're so fixated. People are so fixated on this abortion thing. You know, if we're so fixated on life, and and, and, and we're, we see that this is a – we can't kill a fetus. How can we allow guns to be out there that kill our teenage children? Sixteen years old. I remember when I was 16. I mean, I was I was a little bit of a troublemaker. I ran away from home. Why? Because I was so upset. I didn't think anybody liked me or was going to even come to my birthday party. So I ran. And unfortunately, I was wrong because when I came back, I found out that there would have been quite a celebration. And I think back when I, what it was like for my mother to go through that when I disappeared and they couldn't find me. But then what it's like for a mother to go through when a child is killed and that child's not going to come back. So there's lots to think about. And I want us to think about it. You know, it's, it's a blessing to be able to be on the air and to say this. You know, there's an old saying, those who live by the sword shall perish by the swords. Well, those who live by guns will perish by guns. Those who live by violence, they'll perish by violence. And when you look around, the violence is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. There's so much violence. You got the video games. You got all these movies. I mean, and how do they show you solving problems? Oh, just kill someone, assassinate them. You know, it's just it, it, it's a wild ride. And so we really we really need to think about it. And this abortion issue, what is so hard about people understanding that women have a right to choose over their own bodies and make a decision whether they want to be a mother or not? I went to a baby shower this this uh this uh, weekend. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful seeing the excitement, seeing the love that was coming through to this woman. Jenny is having a baby, a little baby boy, Marley Storm. I mean, I just love I love the name. And we were all excited. But this was a wanted child. Everybody the mother wants it the, the father wants it you know the grandparents want it everybody's coming together to celebrate this child but if that child is not wanted what chance does it have and how do we know that it's not the unwanted children who are the ones who are doing some of this devastation i mean we really don't know we really do not know i know for myself you know my mother my mother got pregnant on i, I was an accidental pregnancy and although my mother's told me over and over how much she loved me, it didn't take away from the fact that I always knew that somehow I interfered with her life and something wasn't right. It took me years of therapy to overcome that. And I'm glad, I'm glad there was no option because I'm glad to be here, glad to be on the radio, but that's not the point. The point is she had no option and she was miserable. And she it stopped her life on so many different levels. You know, and I really believe when a woman makes a decision to have to do an abortion, it's not like she goes out and has, you know, has a big party and says, yay, I'm going to get rid of this. No. And the thing that is so stunning, you know, they're even trying to block the the abortion pill. When a woman can just have sex, say, the night before and then go and get this pill and then nothing happens. I mean, there's no life there. There's no need there. It it Stop it at that point. if you're so worried about it, it's, it's, it's against God, well, think about those young people in in Alabama that were shot with that gun. Wasn't that against God? Thou shalt not kill. you know I mean we there's a lot that we have to think about, so please let us start, let's start thinking about it. And ladies, I want you to write me. Let me know what you think about the things that I'm saying. Tell me what you're doing. I'm happy to have any woman on the show to give me, email me at Holtz at gmail.com and let me know what you're doing. Maybe it's a good, a good show we can do. We can let people know what is happening, what kind of support that you need. But we have to come together as a nation and say enough is enough. And I'm going to say this. There's too many aggressive older men out there that needs to change their attitude they need to change their attitude they need to start looking at the whole and what how we're being affected i mean i have to scratch my head i really do well as i do every every uh every monday morning although i think i'm going to cut it short because i want to get harriet fraud on the phone I do our history ourselves and I think the most the most important the most important birthday that I want to celebrate, you know, April sixteenth was a beautiful, beautiful young woman was born. A beautiful young woman, Selena Contala Perez, a singer who popularized the Tejano sound of Mexico in the nineteen nineties, turned to original fashion broquet design and Governor Bush De- declared April 16th Selena Day. It is not a national holiday, but it is called Selena Day. And she was a beautiful young woman, and guess what? She was killed by another woman. Shot. Shot. Killed. I mean, here we are celebrating her birthday at the same time that three, that these young people, these four young teenagers were, were killed. I mean, It never ends if we don't stand up, if we don't stand up and say enough is enough. And the solutions are so simple. Bring back the ban to the AK 15s that we had that George Bush decided that we didn't need, take the guns off the market. You know, I can understand a person have a a shotgun or maybe a small rifle. And also, before anybody can have a gun, if they have a child in the house, they have to show that that gun is safely locked up and out of that child's position. I mean, we've got 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds shooting teachers. I mean, come on. What is happening to our world? And then when here we're celebrating the birthday of Selena, and the same thing happened to her. She was shot by a woman who could buy a gun. A woman who was emotionally upset, had mental problems, was able to go into a gun shop legally and buy a gun and shoot this beautiful young woman. What a loss to our culture. I mean, if you ever saw the movie, there's two movies That about Selena. There was uh, one was a, uh, a a series, and another was with Jennifer Lopez. And I think Jennifer Lopez just was outstanding. And at the end, when she gets shot, I just sobbed. I said, "Oh my God!" This beautiful voice and the family, all the people that are affected. I mean, I'm not even related to these people in Alabama, and I'm crying at night because I feel this this pain. I feel the pain of what the mothers must feel. Children in the hospital shot. You know, there's an old saying, too. There's a song that I love. By my silence, I give my consent. If we do not speak out, then we're saying this is okay. And it's not going to be any dictators, not going to be more law enforcement. It's going to be the people coming together and looking at what is wrong with this culture and starting to fix it. And starting to have more mental health issues, more mental health facilities so people can get help. And to make mental health, if you have a series, hey, I mean, my God, I went into therapy when I was 29 years old. Thank God I was able to do that because I was able to live a healthy life after looking at some of the issues that were holding me back. We need, those, we need those types of programs. Well, one other birthday that I just want to say that I think is really, really interesting because on April 16th, and I didn't know this, a woman by the name of Harriet Quimby became the first woman to fly an airplane across the English Channel. And, you know, it's funny, as you do the show, you find out more and more, <laughs> you find more and more people, more and more women were flying way ahead of their time. Well, folks, there's a lot to think about. I know sometimes I get on a little bit of a rat a little bit of a rap, but you know something we have to start standing up each and every one of us. Write letters to your editors. Send letters here to your, uh, to your uh, congressmen and your senators and your legislatures locally. Push the local people to get some good gun control in your communities. You know, don't say you don't have the time to do that because, God forbid, your child gets sick and you wished you would have invested that time. You wish you would have stood up. Well, lots to think about. And like I said, you know, Justin, the two Justins were reinstated. And let me tell you something. People have the power. The people stood up. They stood up. They yelled. They were loud. I remember I remember being in the city council meeting saying, oh, we have to act with dignity. Really, the louder you are, the better they'll hear. And maybe things will get done. So it's very, very important. So we're going to take a musical break and to honor... To thank Joan Baez and also to honor the two Justins and f- congratulations that they're at their seat and I know these young men are going to do some powerful things in their lives and we learned a lesson. I loved what I loved what Colbert said. He said, "Yeah, you guys did a great job. Now they're now they're public heroes. <laughs> you know, now they have a voice and now they're demanding something gets done." So let's go ahead and play "We Shall Overcome" sung by Joan Baez. It was amazing that. Joan Baez just happened to run into Justin at the airport, and they sang the song together, and it is an amazing song. And, you know, I remember when she sang it at the March on Washington with Dr. King. That was another sad shooting, Dr. Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy I'm telling you, those who live by the gun is going to die by the gun. I mean, you just got to start looking at that and say, "No, enough is enough is enough." So let's go ahead, and when we return, we will be talking with uh, Dr. Harriet Fraud.
2: Would you like to sing? We shall overcome.
1: So we will overcome. I'm telling you, the tears are welling up. I, this is such an emotional time. And I just want to remind folks, if you're just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily The opinions of the stations, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. I also want to do a special shout out to my dear friend, Susan Lamont, my dear friend, Susan Chunko, my dear friend, June Beshear, and my dear friend, Barbara Lee and, Barbara, and uh, Megan Gordon. These women are part of my team, and they keep me inspired. And I want to thank them for all the good work they do for the community and everything else that they contribute. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Join me on the phone, and it is an honor to introduce her. She's become one of our our regulars uh, here on Women's Spaces, Dr. Harriet Fraud. Welcome, Harriet. Welcome to Women's Spaces.
3: Particularly, it's tax season, so I'm very glad to be here around taxes.
1: (laughs) oh my god you think i hope they're going to spend the money to do something good on it well listen i really want to welcome you harriet you know and and usually usually i I tell the folks just a little bit about you but you know i thought we'd do something different tell us something a little bit about you about your beginning and anything important i know that you're a you're a a psychotherapist in new york and you are you're a founder of a part of the women's movement and you've just done some phenomenal things but tell us what you'd like us to know about you well that i i have had a sense of community
3: and belief as part of the left since i was a very little girl and my dad took me and my sister to things called hootenannies which were concerts of blacklisted artists like paul robeson and Sonny terry and brownie mcgee on the harmonica all sorts of paul draper who was a tap dancer and they were very exuberant events People sang folk songs, and we saw wonderful artists who had been blacklisted during the McCarthy era, and there was just a wonderful feeling of community, and that feeling and that spiritual belief is something that I've carried with me, along with the sense of wanting to right wrongs from the time I was little.
1: It's amazing when you say that, and when you think about the changes that have happened since now. You know, you and I are somewhat in the same age group, and the changes mm-hmm. that we have seen—some good and some just crazier than we we ever, whoever expected. Like, for example, you know, with the whole beginning with when George Bush was elected, all that fiasco that happened with the voting, and we're still, we're still into all this chaos. It just feels, it feels really incredible. Well, at that time, you know, besides going with your father, what other women or what other associations uh, really motivated you, got you to kind of say, wait a minute, I have to do something? Well, I think the first thing
3: was that um, there was a group called the Zealots, and I liked it because it was rebellious mainly really, but what they did was they picketed wealthy temples and churches saying like Abe Lieberwall owns six units with rats and roaches in Harlem and pictures of it. And they'd be outside of the church or temple saying, get the money lender out of your temple. Get the money lender out of your church. And I liked it because I thought of the hypocrisy of we love everybody and everyone is included when you are also holding on to money that you are getting for yourself at the expense of putting people in terrible living conditions. And I think I just, I had a sense, now partly it's because for a while I lived with different relatives when my parents couldn't take care of me. So I got a sense of be, what it's like to be an outsider. And also my father introduced me through those nannies to celebrating people who had been wronged. And so I think I, I just developed a sense that not only wrong should be righted, but that I could be part of it and part of it in an almost spiritual way of uniting together with hope for the future. And that's a big force in my life.
1: so, so what are, what are some of the things that you developed to be able to accomplish that? I know you have some you've written books and you have uh, some uh, radio shows. what 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 have you done?
3: Well, I have at the moment, I'm a regular guest on the David Feldman Show and a guest on your show, and I have a podcast every week called Capitalism Hits Home about how our personal lives are affected by the political and economic system. I'm also part of a three-member team with Liam Tate and Ekoi Hero called It's Not Just In Your Head, showing how the people's problems that we have People make it seem like we've just made bad choices. But sometimes if you're evicted, it's not just in your head. There's a system out there that impacts you economically and politically, and that has to be addressed also. Your personal life is part of it, but it doesn't determine everything. And so you shouldn't go out looking for medications when really you might feel much more empowered looking for social justice for yourself and the people like you. And so I do that now. I also am on the board of Democracy at Work for co-ops. And I, I don't know, my feelings have evolved as the country has evolved. I started Women's Liberation in New Haven, Connecticut, because my sister sent me a periodical, the first Women's Liberation periodical in 1968, with articles from all sorts of people of all sorts of colors and class positions. It was called Notes from the First Year, and I said to myself, wow, we've got to do this here. And I was at that part, at that point, active in the committees against the war in Vietnam, so I knew a lot of justice oriented women, and I invited a bunch of them. At first, there were only five of us to meet, and the office of the committee to end the war in Vietnam run by the American independent movement in New Haven said, sure, you can use our office. We started out with five people and in two months we had 100. I mean, it was amazing and because it was time. I mean, we were fighting for justice, but women were in a terribly discriminated against position. We were making, as a whole, we were making 59 cents on the male dollar, which meant that we were economically dependent on males particularly if we had children. And through that movement, at, the, at that point of the movement, we were very much a diverse movement. That kind of changed in the mid-70s because Gloria Steinem brought us Ms. Magazine. We thought it was a gift, we were so naive, we didn't look, oh, no ads, who's paying for this? It only came out later. She was sent by the CIA and funded for that. But it became a gender-only movement and not a movement where we all stand up together and we who are at the bottom will bring everybody up with us. And that changed to a gender-only instead of class and gender and race movement. And after that, I became more active on socialistic movements, and co-op movements, because I felt we have to be in it together or we won't win. Well, you know, and that's where I am today.
1: Oh, well, it's also interesting that you bring up the Vietnam War, because I remember, like, I seemed like it yesterday when I turned on my television and there was Robert McNamara who wrote a book and said it was a big mistake. and And what happened with the young people, again, young people were shot, you know, it Kent State, I mean, all the different things that happened, and also with with, with Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King and and, and, and John, all, Kennedy. These, all these yeah. things that happened. And and when you think about it, when all of a sudden it came out, it was a mistake when so much was put on the line, and yet it, it, it's just an amazing thing. Well, you know let's let 's let 's kind of come up to today because you know recently in Tennessee, which I thought was amazing I just i couldn 't believe it you know these two young black men, Justin Jones and Justice Pearson, were expelled from the Tennessee legislation by Republicans for pro- for protesting gun violence on the chamber floor well since then they 've been reinstated and since then we just had this horrible shooting here in Alabama. At a a Sweet 16 party. I mean, you have a daughter. Remember your Sweet 16 party? I mean, my God, you know, it's... it's Well, there have been 156
3: mass shootings just so far this year and 89 school shootings. That's a lot more than there have been days, 156. We've, you know, we're in real trouble. And in Arizona, they kicked out a legislator and they haven't reinstated her. So, you know, there is this whole anti-democratic movement.
1: Do they have a right to do that? I mean, when you think about it, we the – I mean, I'm – you know, I haven't really researched legislation, but, you know, we the people go to vote. That's our right. You know, we have a voting right. And then do they have the right, the legislatures, because all of a sudden, you know, maybe you have pink hair and they don't want you on there. I mean, do they have that right to disband you like that? They don't, but they – but there are a lot of laws on the books that are
3: just not observed, like no one has a right to, to hire children. But the automotive industry, the meat packing industry, they're all hiring immigrant children at dangerous jobs, and nobody stops them. Because I think for the first time, that's why they didn't get away with this in Tennessee, people are fighting back. But I think for a long time, especially after the left was hounded out of existence during the 50s in the McCarthy era, people just felt hopeless and powerless. And now with the surge of the union movement and Black Lives Matter and the feminist movement and the climate activism movement, people are starting to be empowered again. And that's, that's what is so hopeful at this point. That will help us overcome. But we went through a terrible period, and these uh, legislators like the Tennessee ones and the people at the, uh, you know, they just had the NRA convention in March where they had Republicans from all over the place. And you praised images of kids handling guns as young as six years old, and of course, Trump was there and Mike Pence, that these things are out of control. And they're out of control because it's profitable. The NRA is a lobbying group, and these people are bribed. Our country's up for sale on a level that it really wasn't when I was growing up. And I think people are alarmed, catching on, beginning to fight back. But what happened, I think, is in the 70s, big American corporations got the idea that they could move their operations to places like China, Bangladesh, and India, where they could pay under $3 an hour with no benefits or ecological constraints, and then made billions of dollars and brought it back and bought our political system. And, you know, other countries like Scandinavia, France, Germany, they don't allow private money in elections, but we do. And so people are fighting back against these bought and sold people who are obviously dishonest, like George Santos, who's been a proven liar and sits there in the Congress. And people are alarmed, and are they're beginning to fight back. But this has happened just since the 70s. The whole quality of American life has changed.
1: Well, do you think? Do you think by any? You know, I I can't help but think. You know, when I think of the sad part for me is I'm a fan of President Johnson, and the, and the the saddest part was the whole Vietnam fiasco, mm. but yeah, I remember when he went on the war on poverty, I mean I, I worked at a, a, uh, one of the organizations which was seated the Comprehensive Employment and Training Act we had a minimum of violence back then, people were getting jobs people were able to go to school people were getting supplements it felt, mm-hmm. like, it felt like the world was moving in a very positive way and at yes. the same time you had this dinosaur this Vietnam War that should not have been happening and you had so much chaos going on on, but at the same time, the country was at least coming together economically as far as helping people. I remember when I was going to school and I, they came to the, when I went to the, uh, to the, uh, you know, the aid uh, department, and they told me that I was eligible for Medicare uh, for my daughter and me with dental and everything else. And, my God, what a gift that was. What a relief that was. And then little by little, you know, all of a sudden when I remember, like it was yesterday, Ronald Reagan saying government is the problem, you know. And, and, and what the problem is not government is the people who are running the government. And it's, it's really – Bad government. Yeah. yeah really. You know, it's, it's like it's such a cover-up and you wonder – You wonder when are people going to just get so disgusted that they just stand up together in a nonviolent way and just say enough is is enough is enough. Well, you know, let's let's take a little break here, a little musical break. And I want to get into time goes by very quickly. I want to get into this idea of taxes. I, I know that you have some ideas that, you know, taxation. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It first started out as a way to equalize the, the, you know, it started out for tariffs and then all of a sudden they moved into, into taxing people individually. and Then they attack, they taxed higher incomes and supposedly putting that money into the, into the communities and building up the country. And I think it's a very important conversation to understand how art, you know, I don't understand why people are so supportive of President, uh, f- former President Trump, when he just helped pass this horrible tax bill that took money away from the common people. So Absolutely. It, so it's, uh, let's take this little break. I want to play Patty Smith because you're talking about the people had the power. And then we'll come back and we'll go over a little bit. Of Very little good. Is that, is that okay with you? Uh, yes, indeed. Okay, here we go. We're going to take a musical break, folks. And I'll tell you, this is an emotional program for me. Because we need to start thinking about how we, as individuals, can help create change. Every one of us doing just a little bit will help do a lot. Anyway, let's yeah. go ahead, can and play People Have the Power, sung by Patti Smith. And when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Dr. Harriet Fraud. Dr. Harriet Fraud is a mental health counselor and hypnotist in the practice in New York City and a long-time feminist and women's activist. Thank you.
0: To hear, well, then the armies ceased advancing because the people had their ears.
1: people have the power. Wow, we sure do. There are more of us than them, that's for sure. And women. They have the
3: money, but we
1: have the masses. And if we got together,
3: we'd change everything. That's really what happened, you know. The way income tax started in 1913 was because the Socialist Party, together with the Progressive Party and populists, were demonstrating and wanted to Change America because the robber barons like, um, Carnegie in steel and Rockefeller in oil and, um, the great, the financiers had, were doing great as robber barons and the people were starving, working 18 hours a day and wanted change, you know. And by the way, these names, Morgan and Finance, Rockefeller Oil, Carnegie Steel, these are still very wealthy people now. But they decided, okay, this has to stop. We need to tax the top and therefore have enough money to have social services here. And they levied a tax on incomes in 1913 of $3,000 a year if you were single and four thousand if you were married. Now, if we did that now, converted, I looked up the conversions to current dollars, taxes would start at fifty-two thousand dollars. Income would be untaxed before fifty-two thousand dollars for an individual, and mind you, fifty-one is the median, the median salary in the United States, and a little over sixty-nine thousand for a couple. Well, that would change the fortunes of the middle class now, wouldn't it? Even when Eisenhower was president, incomes at the top were taxed at 91%. Now they're taxed at 39%. Now, and I think that's because they crushed in the 50s, they crushed the, the left, the socialists, the Communist Party, all sorts of leftists, kicked them out of the unions, and disempowered the mass of people who are only now beginning to unionize and get organized to demand things. And so what has happened is the taxes are off the top, and they're levied on the, the bottom, and the bottom, the lower middle, and the middle. I was shocked to see that inheritance taxes, that's you know how much you can leave, to your children without any penalty. Between 1942 and 1975, you could leave $60,000. 2023, if you're an individual, you could leave 12.92 million. And if you're a couple, you could leave 25.84 million. 25.84 million so much for having people have an equal
1: start in life. It's gotten out of hand. Well, it's really interesting, you know, when you think about it. I want to identify us. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and we have on the phone with this conversation with Dr. Harriet Fraud, who is a health counselor and psychohypnotherapist and a feminist in New York. Well, you know, what happened, you know, what I don't understand is people – Applauding President Trump or whatever his 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 whoever follows him, when he just passed the worst tax bill in history, as far as giving more and more money to those who really don't need more and more money.
3: That's right. And when they say we don't have money to run the government, they don't say let's rescind that tax cut. Let's start taxing wealth and not have such obscene wealth get away with it, let's change the income tax to what it was originally, that seems to be off the table. And I think people support Trump because he expresses their rage because they've been dispossessed, and especially white Southern men who used to be able to lord it over women because they got family wages and so they had dependent women working for them and taking care of their emotional lives, their sexual lives, their children, their social lives, and they don't have it anymore. And, you know, Trump is a raging wrecker who destroys everything. He's actually up for five criminal um, trials now, but he got away with it forever. And they identified with, grab it all, that kind of energy. Some people identified with that. And there certainly not are people who want a fair life for everyone rather than grab it for yourself.
1: Yeah, You know, you, you mentioned something very interesting. You say we want a fair life for everyone. In other words, we want to see our children have good food. We want to see have shelter all these different things and yet what if you come across about that they'll they'll give you an oh you're a socialist or you're moving towards communism or you know, they put all these so labels on it yeah. and yet at the same time when you have these industries they are more socialist. They're they're grabbing, they got tax breaks, they have all kinds of different ways to take from the government.
3: Yes, they are they are socialism for the rich and not for anybody else. What we're talking about is a just life For most people, for everyone, rather than, you know, the outrageous accumulation of money at the top and misery at the bottom. You know, most Americans work for four industries. They work at Walmart, the biggest employer, or in fast food, or in call centers, or um, at Amazon. Those are awful jobs. Amazon has the worst history of injuries of any other industry, but they're working on the clock, which is buzzing them with, with a clicker every time they take a moment. Even at Walmart, even if there's no one in the store, you're not allowed to sit down if you're working there. But they, there is these huge billionaire companies are making outrageous money, and American people are getting cheated.
1: You know, Harriet, the clock is running, and I want to ask you one question as you're talking. As a, as, a, as a psychotherapist, do you think this inequality and these frustrating jobs and all these things that are happening are contributing to the anger and to the frustration of people taking it out on each other? through this? Absolutely. Absolutely. That- I think the whole, they've lost their government. They have no
3: sense of safety. They've lost the sense that if they work hard, and of course, if they're white, which was a big deal and you know, has always been there, but if they work hard, they can have a life that's decent. That is gone. And they're stuck in these dead end jobs and they're frustrated and they're told that it's their fault by the whole psychological establishment and given pills if they're upset, rather than told you have to do something about it and empower yourself to feel better. And so, you know, they're at their wits' end. And they're everywhere. People are
1: collapsing. It's too much. I know. It's 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 not only it's too much, and then you say you have to do something. You have to stand up. But you know, you know. I, I remember my father telling me during the the Great Depression how hard it was to stand up, to unionize and to, to you know, to be on the forefront. I mean he got beaten in the head, he showed me a scar that he had and you know it, it takes an it takes a huge effort. And and I think I I, I want to end the conversation here and I want to invite you back because I think it's important that we do talk a little bit more about the psychological ramifications that's having that's happening here. Terrible. Would you be open to that?
3: I would be you
1: know because, because I- there
3: are huge ramifications i live in new york city you even though it's safer than let's say ohio where jim jordan is saying new york is mm-hmm. unsafe but we have less of a murder rate mm-hmm. than he does but in any case you can't take a walk for 10 blocks without seeing somebody deranged
1: that's really sad. Well, listen, Doctor Fraud, this has been wonderful, Doctor Harriet Fraud. I to- totally enjoyed this conversation. I'm sorry the clock moved so quick. I, we we, could ju- I, we need we need a seminar. We need a we need a panel <laughs> yeah. of women just to talk about this. And maybe one day we'll get you out here and we'll have something like that happening because I think it's very important. Me so too. you got one. You got two seconds to give us your website and last words.
3: Okay, website is Harriet F. H A R R I E one G R A A D dot com and my email is h fraud at gmail dot com and you know it's this stuff has outraged me because I do want people to have a kind and loving environment. Well, and it's that's- so sad that we're sacrificed for a couple of
1: billionaires at the top. Well, let's 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 let it end at that very powerful talk. Thank you so much Dr. Harriet Fraud, for being such a great guest here on Women's Spaces.
3: Thank you Elaine. It's a wonderful
1: program. Well, thank you and I want to thank all my listeners out there. Brandy Hurley's listening. Hi Randy, I love you dearly. Anyway, You've been listening to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz. I've been your host. Remember, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. We must stand up for that future. We must make a little bit of noise. Like John Lewis said, become good troublemakers. You know, speak out. Don't be afraid to speak out and let people know, particularly your leaders. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She can wait
0: so easily. She knows everything you do because of. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 17, 2023.